episode 165 of In Touch with iOS, a podcast that talks about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies. I'm your host, Dave Ginsberg, and my co-host, Warren Sklar, is off this week. But I have two great guests on the show, returning guests, as always. We have our, I guess we can call you a regular guest, uh, Mr. Jeff Gamet. Welcome back, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's awesome to be here. Thank you for having me back. And I realized that uh, when Warren's gone, it takes two people to fill his shoes. This, this is true. Mm-hmm. This is true. So, and and yeah. uh, welcome back to uh, show Patrice. How are you doing, Patrice? I'm I'm doing really well. I'm second podcast today with yeah. you lovely people. Yeah, so. we, we both we it's, all did. It's uh, always it's always fun. The, and we did the Mac show earlier yeah. today, and uh, and uh, wanted to accommodate your schedule, so we're uh, recording this on a Friday, which is <laughs> no problem. We and uh, especially going into the Labor Day weekend, we had some uh, some good mm-hmm. time to do it. So glad you're here. Glad you're here, Jeff. And uh, as always, there's all kinds of always lots of stuff to talk about in the. Uh, the world of Apple, and uh, we have some news and some good topics, and let's just just dive right in and uh, let's talk here. Uh, first story I got here is uh, Apple released a revised version of the latest AirTags firmware update again. Uh, this was uh, end of uh, August here, Tuesday, so they did release a, a revised version. It went up uh, another version from 1A291C to 1A291A. A, I don't know. But again, we don't know what the heck they do with these <laughs> upgrades and these firmware for yeah. AirTags. Um, Patrice, do you, do you you have AirTags? Have you been using them? Um, yeah, I've been using them, and it's it's really curious. I mean, I I, I would like to know what Apple has been doing. Like, yeah, me too. Apple, give us release notes. <laughs> right, like, they've been like really secretive uh, about I mean, it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of. Like they've been kind of doing that with like all the let's say the accessory products. Like the Apple Watch gets proper release notes, but like the AirTags, right. the AirPods, like all of that, it just get nothing. I mean, they don't even tell you that there's an update. People just notice that all of a sudden there's a new version out there. So That's what we got to depend on Mac rumors to tell yeah. us. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yes. And you got, you have some AirTags yeah. too, uh, uh, Jeff. You've been using. Yeah, uh, I I have a couple. And uh, I went and checked right away to see if my AirTags had the new firmware. And it's been, what, about a week since they came out, or the update came out? Yeah. And um, actually, days, no. Yeah. Um, no, no, it was Tuesday this week. It was Tuesday, Tuesday this week, but then there was one There the was one the week before. before. That's why I mentioned this again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And, uh, and my uh, firmware version is still the version that's prior to last week's update. Mm. So I have no idea when uh, when the updates will finally get pushed to, to my AirTags. Uh, but, wow. Okay, I, I'm now two firmware versions behind, okay. and I have no way at all to uh, force an update to happen. It's, it's kind of, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, kind of interesting. It's almost like the Apple Watch. There is... Like I mean, with the Apple Watch, there's supposed to be a way to install it, but it, yeah. half of the time just doesn't do it. But with mm-hmm. these devices, like you can't do anything to force it. No, like, it just nothing. happens at some point. I was, it yeah. was kind of like with the AirPods. You don't even know when those mm-hmm. update either. So, uh, but, right. Uh, if we don't know what, we, what they did to them, I guess we'll just keep using them, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as long yeah, as they uh, work, it, I'm not complaining. None have exploded so far no. after firmware mm-hmm. update, as far as we know. And I haven't yeah. had any reports of anybody swallowing them either. So, 
Right. <laughs> That's good. Um, next story here, a couple, two stories here relating to the future releases of products. So the Apple Watch Series 7, they're reportedly uh, saying that there's a delay due to quality issues, and, and Apple can, would never allow, let that happen. So uh, production mm-hmm. of the upcoming Apple Watch Series 7 has been delayed uh, due to the upcoming watch featuring a, compl- quote-unquote, complicated design. Uh, this was according to a report by uh, Nikki Asia. Nikki Asia. Uh, According to reports, Apple mm-hmm. supply, uh, suppliers began small-scale production of the watch last week and during which employees encountered critical challenges in reaching satisfactory production performance. Uh, so they're going through some uh, some differences with the complexity of the design, and, and it just, yeah, it's, it, might, it might be delayed. And, uh, and then the, the, this article was updated uh, that Bloomberg was also hearing similar information. Uh, so so you got you got two sources that are relative one well at least the one source I I feel a little more credible but uh, uh, Jeff what do you think mm-hmm. uh, I I know this this watch is supposed to have a bigger it's going to have a bigger face um, and that what they're saying and uh, and you were talking about like maybe wanting them to have a fifty five millimeter right uh well I I said fifty one millimeter 51. I, okay. I even uh, uh uh crafted the uh, the leaked photo to prove it okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, why not? Well, it, it's just as credible as any other leaked photo. It's uh, true. That is true. The, the only difference is I, I, I have straight up said I made up a photo and randomly chose a watch size. Um, 50 centimeters, right? That's what you said? 51. <laughs> yeah. I think it's millimeters. <laughs> okay. no, whatever. Centimeters, that's pretty big. I, I thought I the flavor flavor edition, the flavor flavor edition. <laughs> That'd be like big giant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as whether or not uh, the new Apple Watch is going to be delayed uh, or, or you're seeing some sort of production delays. Well, I mean, if they're, if they're changing significantly right. how uh, the, the watch is designed and assembled, yeah, you're probably going to have some delays because uh, it, it's new this time. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure I believe that. Um, Apple Apple has been doing this for, I mean, literal decades by now, like yeah. hardware and, and changing, mm-hmm. like radically sometimes changing designs or even coming out with new things. They know if they change the design that there might be issues. I have more a feeling that this is a miscommunication. That there is a delay because of all the chip shortages that we're seeing. It could be. And and I mean the 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 quality issues that I have are just the normal quality issues that I have every time. Sure. But it got kind of mixed in. Well, and to say that uh, Apple is seeing production delays, regardless of what they are. That doesn't mean the Apple Watch is going to ship late. True. It, it just means that currently there are some things that aren't uh, uh, on track for the, the time frame that they have. Yeah. But that can all be remedied by the time the watch yeah. ships. Or they do what Tim Cooks likes to refer to as supply constraint <laughs> the releases. Mm-hmm. It's always a buzzword during, <laughs> yeah, the, during like, okay. their earnings call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but and I, I, I mean, it's just harder, harder to right get now. them in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, it always is. Mm-hmm. Unlike uh, some yeah. of us early adopters that are uh, mm. wait, waiting at uh, two a.m. in the morning back in the old days to, to put their pre-order in. So, but luckily, <laughs> luckily, luckily we don't have to do that as much anymore. It did. 
Yeah, but yeah, here I am sitting late in bed, twelve midnight. I'm um, uh, the two a.m. Pacific. Uh, or was it no? It was two. It was uh, mm-hmm. it was oh, it was uh, two a.m. Pac- midnight midnight Pacific, Pacific which is uh, two a.m. my time, in Central right. Time. I think of my time zone. Uh, time zone. <laughs> at least we don't have to do that anymore. So, um, and mm-hmm. then. Uh, uh, kind of related what the Apple Apple Watch Seven. This was actually in Tom's guide. I don't use this uh, source too often, but um, Apple Se- Watch Seven Series Seven surprise health feature could uh, was just tipped, and uh, this could be a game changer. Um, the Apple Watch Seven uh, Series Seven standout health upgrade could be the one that we didn't see coming. Well, at least until recently. Now they've been talking about uh, they were going to have a blood co- blood glucose uh, measurement, which I knew it was going to be a very mm-hmm. challenging thing to do. But they're saying mm-hmm. that blood pressure monitoring could be ready on 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 this this new watch. Um yeah. and, and uh, I think it'll be this will be interesting that uh uh, this will be interesting yeah. that, that that they would add this, and they're even saying the Galaxy Watch 4's blood pressure monitor doesn't even work for those in the U.S. Uh, specifically for the reason of it <laughs> being, you know, again rumors we're talking here, but uh, uh, mm-hmm. I think this could be a promising thing because it already does heart monitoring and checks yeah. for AFib, all that stuff. What do you think, Patrice? I mean, I think that's kind of, uh, uh, I mean, one, it's a good idea, and I think it's like a logical next step. I mean, black mm-hmm. glucose, we know, is very, very hard, and uh, I mean, probably a couple of years away still. But, I mean, the, the next next thing, I mean, we already have all the hard features, so blood pressure is some, I mean, the, the pulse that it's measuring right now is, let's say, limit has limited value. Yeah, because, I mean, you can tell, yeah, sure, your heart, your heart rate is whatever, 120, 130, but it doesn't really tell you what the blood pressure really is, uh, which is what a lot of like healthcare professionals are more concerned about. Right. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know how good it's going to be because I know that, that wrist-worn uh, like measurements are yeah. usually not as accurate. But, I mean, Apple has never said that it's, a, it's a, like a healthcare device. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's a life lifestyle device with some limited information regarding your health. Right. And with, for that, they could use it. And then, I mean, if you need a proper measurement, then you get something like what I have here on my desk. Electric. Which is like a proper cuff. Yep. Proper device for mm-hmm. that. Um, but it, at least it gives you some idea where you are. Absolutely. What do you think, Jeff? Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, it doesn't have to be 100% accurate if it's within a range of whatever. Uh, like five, ten percent even would probably be good enough. Agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Patrice is right about uh, glucose uh, mm-hmm. uh, sensing or readings. It's very easy to do if you want to jab someone. Right. But non-invasive is uh, is a totally different thing. And Patrice, I think you're right. I, I think before Apple can really introduce a, a non-invasive glucose level reading, mm-hmm. there's still probably a year or two of work before they, they can release something. Um, yeah. As far as blood pressure <laughs> Unless goes. Unless they want to stamp you every whatever minutes <laughs> or two. Oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, bringing an Apple Watch that every now and then just goes, jab, jab. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I and, think that's um, good. And, well, but this would be one place where if you're not getting uh, glucose readings from your watch, Apple could legitimately say, well, you're mm-hmm. wearing it wrong. 
That's is true. And then plus liability, <laughs> you got to think of too. I mean, I think that's always been mm-hmm. the concern with Apple. They don't want to have any health liability, you know, the medical liability, I should say. Yeah. Uh, right. So this, this is definitely going to be interesting. I think I'm glad to see there's going to be another watch and, and we'll see, see what they come up with. So again, it's all rumor speculation. So, um, next story, uh, this was this was a brilliant brilliant uh, publicity stunt if you want to, if, if I want to say it. Uh, Apple sends fifty boxes of of the Ted Lasso biscuits to the Wrexham a- AFC soccer club owned by Ryan Reynolds and Ron McInerney. Uh, in a recent episode of Apple TV Plus series Ted Lasso, Jeremy Swift's character Higgins briefly poked fun at the two actors uh, uh, purchasing the Welsh soccer club uh, Rex, Re- Wrexham AFC last year. This led to some all kinds of fun stuff that was going back and forth on Twitter, and including a humorous letter that that uh, that uh, Ryan Reynolds was a uh, was a uh, threatening legal action. Uh, well, they sent the biscuits to him, so and it doesn't mm-hmm. say it doesn't say if they've if they've tasted them or if they were any good. But I would assume they were, but uh, I think this was a brilliant uh, brilliant publicity stunt to not only get uh, people talking about the Rex and AFC, but uh, of course Ted Lasso. What do you think? Mm-hmm. What do you think, Jeff? Uh, yeah, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is really good at publicity and doing yeah. it in a in a fun way. So, uh, so sending the letter saying, "Look, uh, we're going to have to initiate legal action unless you send Ted Lasso biscuits to us in time for our game on this date." And uh, I don't think that's what happened. I think no. he just sent a letter, kind of jokingly saying, "Oh, right. I didn't appreciate what you did." And like, but did you and, did you see the letter? It's it's I totally did, it was posted on Twitter. Legal action. Oh yeah, it's tongue in cheek. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like it. Yeah, the, totally. It was definitely tongue in cheek. But yeah. the answer from from Apple was even better because they they like they basically picked that up and then said, "Okay, and we're going to send you some some biscuits." And uh, I mean, there was speculation: would they actually do it? And it turns and out they did. They would. Yep, worked out. Yeah. Uh, Where can I order them? Like I want some too. Yeah, I want to try them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, let me know how they are. Yeah. I'm sure they have butter in them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they must. For sure, yes. <laughs> I seem. Yeah, I seem. Remember the psychologist. The psychologist says I don't. I don't eat sweets. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. So. Uh, the next story. This was an Apple Insider. Apple wallet won't be replacing your physical ID anytime soon. Uh, Apple has introduced mm-hmm. a way to carry your digital version of your driver's license on your iPhone. Don't expect to be ditching it anytime soon here. There's been numerous obstacles preventing the widespread adoption, which is, I, I would probably say, the most, uh, uh, the biggest obstacle is the states are so way behind in in uh, their technology mm-hmm. that, they, I mean, they couldn't even get out and uh, get real IDs uh, taken care of for in, in folks in the United States to, to uh, get your driver's license so you don't, so it's uh, compliant to the TSA when you travel uh at, uh, on the air, on airlines, without having your um, um, without having your uh, passport, so uh, I think only five mm-hmm. or six states have even um, implemented it at this point. So it's 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 uh, it's it's pretty uh, um, it's 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 pretty much uh, uh, up in the air right now. Uh, what do you think, Patrice? Yeah, it, it's. I mean, <laughs> I think maybe in fifty years we will have it. Until mm-hmm. then, I mean, un- until it's until it's hundred percent, like you can go wherever you go, uh, the local liquor store, or TSA at the airport, like no matter where you go, yep. 
unless you can use your your like phone ID everywhere and it's accepted everywhere and there's absolutely no place where you need the physical one. Until that happens, you always have to carry it with you for that one time where you need it. And uh, I mean, as you said, like even if the states were ready and the, the law enforcement were ready and all of that, there are so many other places where, where IDs are used, and all of them have to support it. Yep. Thanks. Definitely. So, yeah, that's gonna happen. Not anytime soon. No. Nope. Hey, Jeff, I think. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't uh, replacing your physical ID anytime no. soon. Uh, keep in mind, Apple said that the initial place that the Apple Wallet digital ID will be accepted is TSA checkpoints, but mm-hmm. only at participating airports. So there, there's almost no place that you'll be able to use this anyhow. Um, so you could say, well, why even bother? Well, you have to start to get the ball rolling, and that's what Apple's doing. And uh, and eventually we'll have. Uh, actually, I think what we need is a unified digital ID system, which will freak out a lot of people. But to be able to truly have uh, an effective digital ID system, I, I think it ultimately is going to have to be unified. Yeah, and that that already exists, and Apple's actually using that. There is a standard, basically, ID system already developed. Yeah, there you go just has to be used. I mean, I think that's pretty smart to, to start that way, to say, okay, let's start, let's work with a couple with a couple states and like use us as ambassadors kind of right. to push that and get that into into people's minds, into people's hands, and then eventually it, it starts. I mean, that's how that's how Apple Apple Pay and, and NFC payments, how they started mostly. I mean, some countries had them like in the, in the early 2000s, but it's really like, only got the ball rolling when, when Apple introduced it, right? Yep, that's for sure. Well, that, and that, that's how we Almost ultimately everywhere. got USB. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was a thing. And it was a thing that just simply wasn't being adopted. And then Apple decided, you know, why don't we put that on this new computer we're designing called an iMac? Yeah. And now... Uh, Firewire's gone. Everything has USB. <laughs> and, I mean, if you think about it, let's say Apple has... Well, maybe in some states, let's say 40% market share. It's a little bit more in the U.S. usually. Um, yeah, I mean, that is a decent amount of people. I mean, they're starting with some weird states like Arizona and I think Alabama. So like Iowa was one of them. <laughs> There's that. Yeah, Iowa. Like, it's it's not the most populous states. But no. <laughs> no, it's a decent chunk of people. And if, if even a small percentage uses that. Yep. It's not nothing. No, no. Yeah, it's going to be a slow process. And, mm-hmm. and uh, but for example, Colorado has a digital ID thing in place, but you can't use just your digital ID. You have to have your physical ID. Right. And as far as I've been able to tell, Apple has not adopted any uh, standards. It's just their own thing. Right. Through some. No, 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 no. The, the Apple ID. There's an ISO standard behind it for IDs. Right, right. But what I'm saying yeah. is Colorado, it doesn't oh, appear to me right. to be using the standard. Based on the they're, states. They're just doing yeah. their own thing. Yeah, mm. which may not yeah. cut it. I I compare it to my keys right now. Like, I, I have my keys with me when I leave the house, but I don't need them. I, I never take them out. But I still have them with me. Yeah, because so. you, you might need them. 
Exactly. There's this one time in a million where I might still need it. Yep. All right, let's uh, move on to the next story here. This is in The Verge. Uh, Apple concedes to let apps like Netflix, Spotify, and Kindle link to the web to sign up. And uh, a subtitle here, it, it's, it's for apps that Apple doesn't make any money anyways. Um, you know, if we recall, <laughs> uh, uh, vocal app developers were accused accused of Apple last week of spinning a lawsuit settlement into a app store change that was barely even a change at all. We've talked about this uh, last week. Uh, company appears to be making mm-hmm. it true by a small concession today that uh, uh, some readers have, have found that if you go to the Netflix app and you're not a customer and, and you want to go sign up, that they did have that disclaimer on the, uh, and it shows in this article that uh, trying to join Netflix, you can't because uh, you can't do it in the app. And we know it's a hassle, but if you're after you're a member, you'll be able to watch it <laughs> on here. So I guess uh, mm-hmm. Apple has conceded and they're going to allow uh, Spotify as well as Netflix and, and even Amazon, for that matter, be able to be able to sign up, uh, just go right to the web. And, and which I thought this was just insanely silly because, yeah, why, why, how are they going to yeah. make money? Because none of these none of these services are going to allow to take their 30 percent cut of the sub- subscription. So, yeah. What do you think, Jeff? I I think that this has been a long time coming, but oh, at yeah. the same time, I get at least in in my weird logic why Apple has resisted this for now, because even though Apple's not taking a cut of those subscription services, mm-hmm. having the ability to link directly out from uh, uh, from uh, an iPhone or an iPad app to sign up, it it goes against what Apple is requiring in other parts of the app store. So Mm -hmm. it can create this confusion, but it also opens the door and it may not be a slippery slope, but it's still a slope that, uh, that Apple doesn't want to start sliding down. Apple wants to keep control over app store purchases as much as it possibly can. Yeah. I can totally understand Apple here. I mean, personally, I always thought it was silly that it made the experience for people worse. I mean, Netflix probably not. I mean, people like people know Netflix, and and most people know. Okay, I'll just go to Netflix.com. Right. Uh, but for so many other apps, it made it worse because you like the experience is you download like you find an app, you download it, and you get the login screen, and there's no information whatsoever. And in some cases, you might not know where to go. Like, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. you can you can use your your search engine and find the website for the app if you're lucky. Um, is that Netflix or Spotify? I mean, those are easy ones. Like that, 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 I don't think that's a problem. So it, yeah, it's it's a concession to what, in my opinion, was already happening. And yeah, I think I think also think they're kind of trying to preempt some some like legal changes here. Uh, yeah. The laws that are being discussed. Yep, I, I definitely agree. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of a sad story. The um, Lowcast is shutting down. The free streaming app ends its service after a lawsuit uh, that was filed mm-hmm. on behalf of all the networks. And uh, uh, a judge sided with the, the networks, saying that uh, they uh, uh, they are not in compliance and are not protected from any lawsuits by them uh, restreaming uh, mm-hmm. all this information. Uh, Locast at first said, uh, oh, we'll stop the donations or forcing donations. And then the next day, right after that, and this uh, happened about a day after, before we recorded this, they, they shut down and suspended service effective immediately. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, I kind of, I kind of had a feeling this was going to happen. I mean, uh, if I, if I remember correctly, there was another service, Aereo, that attempted the same thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, dis- yes. disappeared uh, after uh, probably a lot shorter time than Locast. Because Locast made it through about three years uh, by Nudis, uh, and uh, and it's just crazy. I mean, I. I think it was a, it's a it's a genius idea, and and it, there has to be a way. I think that these networks uh, uh, could come up with a way of of being, be able to monetize it enough that they, they would satisfy them, but also because you can get an over the air HD antenna and watch this stuff. You know, why not just yeah. do the same thing, but just 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 retransmission on the internet? It's a whole different world. But back in the old days, when we had uh, analog antennas <laughs> when when we were watching TV, mm-hmm. um, what do you what do you think, Patrice? Um, I mean, whoever created that service, I mean, hats off because yeah. they still did it despite the fact that, in my opinion, it was pretty clear that it was a legally gray area at best and illegal at worst. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, from at least from my perspective, I'm not a legal expert, but right. I would have said, yeah, I mean, that's kind of sketchy. Um, they did it and yeah, they had to shut down. That just happens to those services. I think the good thing here is that it pushes all the networks to improve their offerings. I mean, a lot of them are doing it. Like a lot of them have pretty decent apps now and streaming and aren't too expensive and all of that. Uh, But there are still gaps. Like I know live sports is still kind of a big problem, like blank spot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, Jeff, what do you think? So, I, I totally get the perspective yeah. of uh, of the user, which is, mm-hmm. I don't care which antenna is giving me the signal. I'm still getting the exact same content. Right. So why should it matter if I have an HD antenna, if, I, if I'm using mm-hmm. low-cast to streaming, or if I'm using my cable service provider? I, it doesn't matter. Yeah. From, from the network's standpoint and the cable service provider's standpoint, it does matter because there there are deals about who gets to stream what content, and yeah. if you can just go grab an app and uh, and get your local live content, then from their perspective, it is being devalued because mm-hmm. uh, because it's no longer being controlled, yeah. and uh, and that sucks. And here we are. Yeah, it was a, it was a great. I mean, mind you, you can. You can you can still like use something like Plex for example. You can connect uh, an attack, like a digital that. antenna to Plex, and and have like half that experience still. Problem oh. is getting that HD antenna to get you a good signal, depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tried it here. Yeah, I, I didn't, didn't want to go through an elaborate installation of putting an antenna up on my <laughs> roof, and uh, I attempted that. Mm-hmm. You have to get one of those HD home run uh, devices to, to for it to receive the signal that will will tap into mm-hmm. your Plex account. Uh, and it failed miserably for me, so I gave up. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Uh, depending on where you live, if you're in a rural area, forget it. You're not going to get any HD uh, antenna. Yeah. I mean, here, yes, I will. Depending on where I put the antenna, in Chicago area obviously has a very good market. You know, the, the three big mm-hmm. cities in the United States, New York and the Los Angeles, would be the same way. Depending on where you live, but uh, you know, it's a shame. It, it had such a great Apple TV app, but the iOS app uh, worked mm-hmm. great. iPad it was it was a, it was a pleasure to do. If you didn't donate, of course, you had to listen to them beg for you to donate before you got to start watching content. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, you, you're 
you know, to your point about the um, the other apps that have uh, the networks, yeah, it, it's now it's a mishmash of, of apps. You end up having like four, five, mm-hmm. six apps you want to be able to watch: ABC, NBC, Fox, CBS, and you well. Mm-hmm. But then you've got Paramount Plus and all the other ones that are paid. So it's just this 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 is the time of cu- of cord cutting is 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 a uh, is is not pretty right now. Um, when you got no, it is not YouTube TV and you have Hulu with live TV and you have Fubo TV with sports yeah. and 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 I mean I just read was also reading an article about sports too. You're right, sports is 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 I think they're in trouble with that and. And you also deal with the blackouts where you can't watch local you can't watch yeah. local teams in your area uh, because mm-hmm. that of a, of, a, of a law that they put in place from probably like 1970. <laughs> so uh, probably earlier, <laughs> even earlier than that, probably. So but it's gonna be interesting to see. That was in the Hollywood Reporter, and there was, there was all over the news as well as if you go to Locast. Yeah, unfortunately, I tried to log in today and see what it would do, and it it, it says we're not in your area, and then they just removed everything, so it's gone. R.I.P. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's sad. It is sad. So, um, uh, next story: Apple acquires classical music service uh, Prime Phonic. Uh, we did spend a good amount of this time discussing this on the Mac on the Mac show, but I think this is still a great thing to talk about to so make everybody aware. Uh, they, mm-hmm. Apple today announced uh, they acquired the classical music streaming service uh, Prime Phonic, and it will be folding into Apple Music. Um, it did provide uh, an outstanding listening experience because, uh, let's face it, classical music probably got a, a backseat of, of, of mainstream music. So you, it's a little, not as okay. easy to find classical music on Apple on Apple Music. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, they're going to shut the service down on September 7th. Won't be taking no new subscribers. And then they're going to give the existing subscribers six months of free Apple Music. Oh, boy. Um so, uh, Jeff, what do you think? I think this was, I guess we had, we, we talked about this earlier and, uh, um, I think it was a smart move, but is it, how, how is Apple going to do it? Uh, they say a separate app will, will, will take part, uh, with this. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. I think this is a smart move on Apple's part and this makes Apple the go-to place for streaming classical music. So good for Apple. Um, I, I think we're going to have kind of like two classical music experiences, just what we currently have in uh, in Apple Music. But then for the people that are really in to uh, classical, then they'll have the separate Apple Music classical app, which which displays the content in a way that's much more meaningful if you're if you're really into listening to classical so you can see the entire piece name the entire movement name um because a lot of times you'll see just the first part that that uh, tells you what the overall thing is but then you don't see the rest of it that tells you the name of this specific movement which is actually what you really want to know yeah um mm-hmm. yeah so i my guess is we're talking about two different interfaces really really um, yeah. i agree I, yeah, one thing that I've been thinking about a little bit is once Apple really has this up and running, this changes discoverability for classical music. How much of what they'll be doing with uh, the, uh, the Prime Phonic technology will be translatable back to what we already have with other music genres? And right. will we get some sort of better discoverability simply because Apple has this technology available. 
I mean, I'm not so sure about technology. Um, I don't think Apple acquired that company for the catalog or for the technology because, I mean, Apple has been in music for like, what's it now, 20 years? Almost. Uh, they have they have the people, they have the connections. Like, they, like, I don't think technology is their problem. Their problem is people. Their problem is someone who understands the genre well enough to build something that works for the people who really, really care about it. Mm-hmm. Which is not what Apple Music, uh, well, it, which is for the classic, for the classic area, not what Apple Music is. On the other hand, they can bring a lot of good things to the service because Apple has spatial audio. Apple has high, high bitrate streaming. Mm-hmm. Apple has the like the, the like the backends, like all the all the Apple Music stuff that makes it great. It's all there. The technology, it's all there. Um, so I think this is a, as you said, pretty smart. Yeah, but Patrice, now now you're just like killing my hope. Because, <laughs> no, okay. I'm, so here's, here's I'm, the uh, okay. Um, when, when I look at discoverability for for other genres, mm-hmm. for ex- example, I do listen to classical a lot, but I also listen to jazz a lot. And mm-hmm. currently on Apple Music, my jazz experience is poor, uh, just like it mm-hmm. is for classical, and that's because discoverability sucks and uh, and what gets lumped in to that genre in, in some cases is not actually jazz but you know like uh, if i'm listening to just a generic jazz mix that apple puts together i will hear some jazz but i'm also going to hear a lot of big band which mm-hmm. which yes you can do jazz with big band but big band as yeah. its own genre is a totally different thing and yeah. uh it's it's a mess. What I'm hoping is that that with the people, which I was referring to as technology, I I should probably value people higher if I'm referring to them as technology. <laughs> what I'm hoping is that with these people and their knowledge, they will be able to bring something that improves discoverability across all genres, not just classical. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I absolutely agree with you. I I was thinking about that too. Like that. They. I mean. Best case scenario, they influence the rest of the of the department basically, and absolutely, we get really good experience everywhere. All right, I hope so. I mean, I know people that are switching to Spotify from Apple Music because they're tired of the discoverability experience on Apple Music, and they just want to do something different. Absolutely, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, this story was in Gizmodo, actually, and this is uh, 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 this normal-looking lightning cable actually steals all of your data. The cable looks like it was made by Apple, but it was actually produced by a hacking company. Um, and the article says, uh, "Here, here's some Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot level intrigue for you. Imagine an incubus-looking USB to lightning cable that you once plugged into your machine that actually helps hackers steal all of your data from your iPhone and check malware onto your device." It sounds like something from a far-fetched TV show. It is. It's a surprise, actually, a thing. Um, so they found that this cable actually, uh, what it does is it actually, um, once it's plugged in, it it uh, essentially sets up a Wi-Fi hotspot where the remote user can then connect from connect to from there an online interface that comes with the product allows the hacker to record and log activity and target the device Keyloggers as much as 60 650,000 keystrokes according to, to hack five 
company describes it as being oh. a built-in covert field use with features that enhance remote execution, stealth, forensics, evasion. Oh, yeah. So so this cable is going to get out there and someone's going to steal someone's data. I, I just found this very mm. interesting and uh, why, why this is yeah. going to even be legally out there. <laughs> what, what do you think, Jeff? This, that, this is ah. why you don't ever use any cable nope. that you haven't personally purchased. And you always purchase your cables from from known reliable sources. Right. I mean, I can look at the picture right now. Look at the. I mean, this is a this is an Apple cable. I know for a fact, and it's flat. If you look in the picture on the mm-hmm. on the article, it's round. So that, but not no, most people, normal people are probably going to notice that. Yeah, but. people aren't going to notice that. And mm-hmm. uh, and and if someone goes into a coffee shop, and there's there's uh, an iPhone cable just laying there, yeah. and no one's Don't around do it. it. <laughs> Right, don't a do it. A lot of people are going to pluck it, but people are going to grab it because they're like, "Hey, it's a free cable." It, you know, it's like people mm-hmm. that find USB yeah. thumbsticks yeah. in There's the parking lot one. at their business, <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. like, "Hey, it's a free thumb drive," and they plug it in, and mm-hmm. the person that intentionally dropped it in the parking lot now has a backdoor into the corporation. Yeah, I mean, this has been around for, I mean, uh, I mean, honestly, probably a couple of decades. Because I know the CIA was using stuff like this, mm-hmm. but this is like a pretty common penetration testing tool these days, or even like a surveillance tool that you have specially made cables or like little little things that you plug in that are small that grab a lot of data and transmit it somewhere. Just yep. like normal and the thing, range and, and they are available. Online. Like you can go on eBay and buy them, or like yeah. Alibaba probably. So, so, so. A PSA: Don't don't use cables that you don't know who have never heard of the brand. If it's Anchor, if it's any of the names you've heard of, then you're fine. But if it's just Apple, some Anchor, OWC, OWC, any mm. any names that you know, uh, you you should be you are safe because they are certified yeah. by Apple, actually. So yeah. the, the only upside of this is the person still has to be within a reasonable range or has to pick up the, the cable at some point. Yep. Like drop it off somewhere, have it lock whatever it is, and then pick it up again. So PSA the only like positive thing. PSA yeah. don't, no, don't they did use get about cables. a mile range off of it. <laughs> yeah, that hey, that's enough. Yes, don't do it. Uh, and then last story here is uh, YouTube Premium and music surpasses 50 million subscribers. YouTube says it's passed over 50 million subscribers for its premium and music subscriptions. <laughs> Making it the fastest growing music subscription in the world. Uh, well, of course, this is according to YouTube. Um, uh, yes. Uh, so uh, I'm, I've been a subscriber, a premium subscriber, because I, mm-hmm. I thoroughly love the fact that I don't have to watch and put up with all those ads. Um, but and it's yes. also it's a nice bonus to have uh, have uh, YouTube Music. And I think YouTube Music. I mean, I, I I I go between YouTube Music and I go and Apple Music, and you know some some. Mm-hmm. Bo- each service has its own little different thing. I know it's a little extra expense, but um, it's a it's a nice bonus because if you get the premium service, the music comes with it. So, but mm-hmm. I mean, I could see. I mean, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of eyeballs on YouTube, so that that could definitely mm-hmm. I could see. I think more so what drives it is the premium, not the music. Honestly, yeah, I would say so. Mm-hmm. You could translate that into YouTube is now finally annoying enough that a lot of people are signing up for premium. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically, that's. I mean, honestly, that's the whole reason why I signed up like Me two months ago. It's like, yeah. So, yeah. I, I I think it's a great service. I don't I complain. I know it's Google, mm-hmm. but 
No, right. good. We spend enough time on YouTube these days to find out anything and everything that's yep. uh, worth the price of admission. All right. Absolutely. Let's uh, move on to the, the stories this week. Uh, beta keeps uh, staying active. Uh, iOS 15 beta 8 was released uh, this week. Um, I didn't see anything really notable has changed for the most part. Now, Patrice, you've got your iPhone and all your devices uh, cooking on it. What, is there anything you've seen mm-hmm. uh, since this came out? Um. I mean, they did, was that in this beta on the last one where they removed the share play stuff? I think it was seven. Beta seven yeah. that, that was the last I think beta. it was, might have been seven. Yeah. yeah. There were, as I said, there, I mean, we're getting cl- like probably in the next two, three weeks, uh, we will have a release. Like, more, more like three weeks probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're getting very close to the final thing. And Apple has removed a couple things, uh, including the new CSAM stuff. Um, but right. yeah, it's. Relatively stable now. Yeah, there's going to be a couple services, um, including the the domain service, and that's in, still going to stay in beta. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can yep. go to beta. I talked. We talked about that last week. Um, the beta.icloud.com. It's pretty slick. You get set set up uh, mm-hmm. as long as you you got to have a little bit of knowledge how to do it. Uh, it's not it's not for your everyday person. Uh, I could I could tell you that. So. Um, uh, as far as far as the watch beta, it's on beta eight of Watch OS eight. Um, I don't think there's been too much. Again, I always stress that if you want to put beta on an Apple Watch, you know you know you can't go back. So be yes, very, yeah. very aware yes, of that. If you're that. going to put beta on an Apple Watch, you need to be prepared to throw away your watch or or Apple. Well, not throw away. To f- send it to it. send it to Apple and have them send you a replacement. I've had to yes. do that once, so years ago, but I had to do that once. Yeah, yeah. There, there's no way back, and if something goes wrong, there's no way for you to fix it. So your watch is essentially trash until you send it to Apple, yeah. and uh, and then they they end up replacing it. They don't fix it. No, no they just recycle it and send you a, like a refurbished one. And then uh, I'm referencing a, a Mac World article actually that just came out uh, yesterday as we record this. It, it lists all the services that will not be included uh, when iOS 15 uh, ships, which is including SharePlay, uh, the legacy contacts, which was uh, new in iOS 15, mm-hmm. was a pair of features to deal with access to your iCloud account. Recovering contacts was a way to trust your family member or friend. Well, that's not coming over mm-hmm. at the moment. The app privacy report. Um, no way of exactly how apps are using accessing sharing your data. Okay, I'm not too concerned about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that never even shipped in any beta. Yeah, and then uh, 3D maps. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was agreeing that we, we never even got it. In, I don't think uh, we did. Yeah, any beta releases. Nope. Uh, and then uh, 3D maps, na- navigation, and CarPlay. Not surprised. They probably got some things to worry about. ID and wallet, we talked about that. Uh, universal control, which is a Mac OS Monterey feature as well. Mm-hmm. That isn't ready. So, uh, and then that I, just hurts. Yeah, it really hurts because everybody's yeah. been super stoked about that. Um, and then the last thing, on, I, as on I the mentioned, other hand, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, on the other hand, I'm pretty sure Monterey is not going to ship until October. So they, they could just do it in 15.1. That's a really good point, Patrice. I I, I agree. I think that uh, uh, we're not getting Monterey 
until a few weeks after we get iOS and iPadOS 15. Yep. Yeah, that's usually how it works. Yep, yeah. I agree. So in that case, it doesn't matter. It's not there on launch. Mm-hmm. Still, I, I'm really championing at the bit to get. Uh, <laughs> I think we all are. I know Warren has been. Yeah. So I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, beta's out there. It's in public. Again, as I always say, I don't put beta on my my uh, my primary daily driver. I have luck. I'm lucky enough to have an extra device. So beware. Proceed with caution if you're going to put uh, beta on your devices, because um, you. You don't want to be in trouble, and you don't have access to your iPhone. That's your iPhone. Um, all right, next topic here I want to talk about a little bit. Um, uh, how many times should you reboot your iPhone? I've always asked that question. Um, Apple always says it's not really necessary, but um, I think it, you got to do it from time to time. It's 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 a computer, for crying out loud. You, you mean, you know, just like a Mac or, or a Windows PC, for that matter, which you have to reboot every day, practically. Uh uh, should you should you reboot your, your 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 iOS device? And of course, we know how to do that, right? Um, you on an iP- on an iPhone or current iPhones, you have to push the volume up, volume down, and then you hold the power the side button down, and then it's going to prompt you to t- turn off the phone. You can turn off the phone. That's not going to really reboot it. You want to do is hold on to that 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 side button or power button in after you've on the volume up, volume down, until it shuts down and the Apple logo shows up. So that's more of a, a full reboot. Um, so I, I, I like the interesting hear your your thoughts, uh, Patrice, on what uh, and Jeff, uh, where, where you feel as far as what, how many times do you re- reboot your phone, your iPhone or your iPad for that matter? How, how many times do you like need to like? Do you have to reboot it? Zero. How many times do you need to reboot it because something is not working? I mean, I would say once a month or maybe on the betas it's a little bit more, but that's betas. Mm-hmm. But I would say about once a month or once every two weeks, you have to reboot it because I don't know, the, like today I had it, the AirPods didn't connect. Okay. Reboot the phone, it works again. Stuff like that. So it's a, as you said, it's a computer. Like if, if, if right. it starts behaving weirdly, reboot it. Fixes almost everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. You would, you, how do you? What's your feeling on that? Uh, my 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 feeling is pretty much in line with Patrice. You you shouldn't need to reboot it, but yeah, uh, yeah I'd say every two or three weeks, uh, yeah. every one of my devices has been rebooted for one reason or another, and uh, and oftentimes it's because something isn't working right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's my iPads, it's often because I forgot to plug it in and charge it, and so. It, it just yeah. eventually shut off, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, and and that's definitely a way to end up rebooting your devices, um, and uh, and it fixes problems that I routinely have with AirDrop. Yeah, I, mean, I, I had to do it. Yeah, yes. I, I just had to do it uh, mm-hmm. the other day because um, I was using the share sheet and wanted to share a uh, share something, and and Facebook and Twitter were mm-hmm. not appearing in the share sheet, and I go into the menu to see, mm-hmm. oh, maybe it's hidden. No, it wasn't even there. So I ended up doing a full mm-hmm. reset, reboot of the phone, and then and it reappeared. So, um, so yeah, our time is your AirPods <laughs> quit connecting yeah. until you reboot, yeah. and exactly. then they're working mm-hmm. again. Exactly. Yeah, I have the same issue with iCloud on my Mac, for example. Like sometimes it just stops. It just like it shows downloading yeah. or uploading, and the only thing that fixes it is rebooting. Um, 
And then the, the, other, the other thing I was always curious about is, uh, should you be closing out all the apps that are running in the background? It's not necessary. I've said that quite a bit, nope. bit of times. But there are some OCD people out there who just can't stand all those apps running, and they're going like this, flipping up and down to get all those apps closed. So, uh, what, what, what do you guys? What do you? What do you? What's your thoughts on that, Patrice? It drives me insane when people do that. <laughs> it's it's one of my pet peeves when I see people doing that, and I know where it comes from. I know there was one version of iOS like seven, I want to say, mm-hmm. where there was a bug and some. Apps were hanging and people started closing them. And unless you have an app that absolutely crashed, it does not work at all, then you you quit that one app and and it works again. Right. There's absolutely, I mean, I'm a developer, I know exactly how the system works behind them. If the app doesn't need to run, the OS will actually kill it for you. You don't have to do that. Right. There are some, some, like some apps that can do like a little background task and background updates, but they're like very infrequent. And the less you use an app, the less time they actually get to do anything. So there's absolutely zero reason to do it. And it's actually harmful in some cases because like, uh, restoring an app, like let's say you put a, you put an app in the background, like, I don't know, let's say Facebook for, because a lot of people use that for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, like you put it in the background. The app has no resources that is needed. When you open Facebook, if it has to, re- if it can restore from that background, like sleep state, basically, it's super fast. takes basically no battery, no almost no CPU. It just basically just gets back that state, updates the feed. Then, if you quit the app, it has to restart everything from scratch, and that is going to drain your battery. Mm-hmm. And the more you do that, if you every app you start, you start from zero, your battery gets straight. Don't do it. Yep. No, I, I you agree. Can tell I'm, I'm very passionate about that. It's no. crazy. Then that's, I, I appreciate your uh, your knowledge of that, especially being a developer, <laughs> to knowing that it's not, like how many times I've told people, don't, don't, it doesn't, they don't have to do it. Oh, I got to do it. I got to do it. I guess I, OCD. Yeah, I know those people. <laughs> yeah, I know so many people like that. Because they think it's doing something, but when it actually is usually more harmful. Then they complain that the battery doesn't last. Yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't help <laughs> that for a long time, Genius Bar staff would tell you, oh, you need to quit all those apps. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that didn't Until they got retrained. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Patrice yeah, is totally right. You don't need to restart or quit all these apps for, for me that the whole app switcher thing and quitting apps, that's, I, I need that when I have an app that is not uh, working mm-hmm. correctly or seems to have locked up and didn't just shut down. Then yeah. I have a place that I can go and swipe up on the, on the problem app. Yes. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I said it, it absolutely. It, it, in this case, it is different on a Mac than iOS. On, on a Mac, that doesn't happen. The app will keep running and it will burn your CPU. So, and, and like on the Mac, it's, sometimes it's better you quit an app if you don't need it. But on iOS, the system is actually smart enough to know. It actually, it's really funny. It learns how you use a device. Right. It knows. Oh, like I don't know. Jeff is using. Like uh, his his pants finder app all the time, <laughs> so that's the that that app gets a lot of like CPU time, so that he can always find his pants. But uh, uh, yeah, like some other app like Facebook, he doesn't use it at all, so it gets no time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it so just sleeps. Just leave your apps alone; they aren't hurting anything. Yeah, 
Um, yes. Uh, other story here. This was actually, this is probably more and more in future iPhones. This was an interesting uh, discussion. Uh, future iPhones could feature satellite connectivity for emergency situations. This is a report in Bloomberg, um, recording this off of iPhone hacks, uh, shedding some light about the rumored, uh, satellite connectivity will be coming to the iPhone 13. Uh, report had detailed uh, that Apple's intends to bring satellite connectivity for use of emergencies where users can send text messages or call first responders. When they're outside cellular coverages, it's going to be using the, the technology called uh, uh, featuring the low Earth orbit or LEO satellite connectivity and work on the spectrum owned by Global Star. However, it's going to be a lot of that's going to be lost in translation. And the fact the matter is, uh, boy, how, how's this going to work with not having one of those big giant antennas that most of these satellite phones already currently have? Um, I would be surprised mm-hmm. that, that, that they could even get this to work. I mean, especially when you're in a rural area. Yeah, I can, I see where it could come in handy. I don't know if it's going to be really important when you're in an area that's really heavily saturated with cell coverage, but, uh, I think it's a smart, smart idea. I just don't know how it's going to get uh, implemented. What do you think, Jeff? I, I think that there's another option for what Apple is going to do with this. Okay. And you're right about the antenna. Um, working around physics to get rid of the fat antenna and keep the iPhone thin the way Apple wants it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the compromise that they can, they can make work with current technology. Um, what I think Apple may be doing with this as an emergency service is instead of having the phone talk directly to the, the uh, Leo satellites, it's going to be using uh, radio frequencies, like terrestrial level radio frequencies, mm-hmm. where it connects. There are services that connect to Geostar through, uh, a, you know, like cellular service does. It connects to a tower. You're not calling someone's phone directly. And then your cell service acts as the relay between your radio, which is your phone, and the other phone that you're talking to. You can do the same thing with satellites. I think that might be the route that Apple's going, where you know because that because that sort of signal is uh, is going to use less power mm-hmm. and is going to be more accessible even in uh, 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 rural areas. Um, j- just a hypothesis, but I I'm wondering if that's the route that Apple's going to go. But then it would still potentially be the same thing where it's not this is now your cell service this is how you get emergency messages out emergency i i have an alternative option for that there are those really really expensive watches out there that you can buy today where you can via satellite call for help anywhere in the world if you're in the himalaya somewhere on a mountain you can call, and I mean, it might take a couple of hours for someone to get to you, but basically, when you trigger that, they, like someone gets informed. I think introducing that that type of feature into the iPhone would be a game changer, especially for those situations where you're like, I mean, it happens here in Austria all the time, I, and also I know in Arizona, where people go hiking and like have an accident and can't call anybody because there's no cell service out there. Um, there, there are big parts be, of Colorado no cell service because yeah. of yeah. because of terrain. Yeah. And you don't need much bandwidth because it's not a phone call. It's literally just a signal that goes out that call, that informs someone where you are and that you need help. All that's needed. 
It's basically like the Apple Watch SOS feature that we already have just with satellite, and I could totally see that. I like this idea. Yeah, that is a good idea. Yeah, yeah, because then in that case, you're not even sending a specific message. It's just yeah. the data right. that mm-hmm. that tells where you are, really. Yeah, exactly. It's all that's needed. Absolutely. Yeah, which so, totally makes sense. And it's very Apple to do that. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm, I just want to know how much it would cost. But that's the thing. How, where's the cost going to be here to keep, the, keep it in line? So where right. I mean, does get... that become part of your iCloud subscription? Or is this a separate service you have to pay for? Yeah. For, for, for only $1,000 more a month, you can have that service. Yes. Yeah, because it's not a cheap service. No, no. That's why I said like, those watches are super expensive. So, and it's not the watch that's the expensive part. It's literally that that emergency feature. Mm-hmm. Yep. So def- definitely going to be interesting. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see what mm-hmm. happens. So, um, before we go, I wanted to mention MacStock, MacStock, uh, virtual MacStock, and and uh, conference uh, 2021 is going to be happening on September 25th of 2021, uh, and. Uh, there's going to be a VIP pass as well as uh, it's going to be free virtual for everybody. You can, you can sign up and uh, get a free pass, be able to watch all the, all the speakers. There's six speakers, uh, including our friend Kelly Gamont and Allison Sheridan, Mike Schmitz, Brett Terpstra, Oli Trinsky and Rick Cartwright are going to be speaking. So a little bit of a slimmed down conference, uh, but it's all, uh, it's still going to be a lot of fun. It's going to have a a lot of uh, our, our Apple friends together and, having fun and, and you're definitely going to uh, have a good time. I'll be co-hosting with Mike Potter, who's the, uh, the conference uh, host and uh, we're having it, uh, a VIP uh, pass that's going to be available where if someone wanted to come into, into the Chicago area and visit, it's going to be at a small little location, uh, Woodstock opera house area. And we're going to be uh, maintaining social distancing as well as mass and the whole thing. Unfortunately, we have to deal with that. So he's had limited number of tickets available. I believe there's about 24 left and, uh, I highly recommend it. It's $99 for the VIP pass, or also he'll also offer a digital pass that's virtual, which is $49, and it gives you the option to uh, have access to all the all the talks um, after the fact. Uh, or if you just want to go with a free pass, you can do that too. That's just virtual, and you can watch live. There's going to be a lounge. We'll be able to hang out. I'll be, I'll be probably moderating chat rooms and all that fun stuff and helping Mike out uh, in person. We already have – I know Guy Searle is going to be coming out with uh, – he decided to come out, and I believe Chuck Joyner is as well. So, uh, awesome. so, so we're going to be having some uh, fun uh, hanging out. And uh, and uh, unfortunately, I wish all you, everybody could come. It's just uh, yeah, with the the current situation going on. But I'm, we're hoping for next year, 2022. He's announced that there's going to be three full days of that event. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So go to MacStock2021.com. Check it out. You can sign up and. Uh, Hope to see you in out there, and I guess in a few weeks here, about uh, three weeks away here. Uh, but uh, definitely uh, would love to see everybody uh, at least virtually, um, and uh, <laughs> we'll have a lot of fun uh, as we have in the past. Yeah, it's going this is, uh, about seven years since we've uh, uh, done the first Mac stock. So, and uh, I, I'm lost. My I guess I can't count my record. I spoke all the first five, so it's up to 2019. So. Uh, <laughs> last two i guess don't count so but i'll be i'll be back speaking again <laughs> soon but uh it's a great conference it really is and jeff you've been there a number of times and i 
Yes. Uh, one of these days, Patrice will be able to come out and uh, see it. So, Oh, yes. Uh, we've had that a lot of fun. a really nice conference. Yeah, we've had mm-hmm. a lot of fun. And uh, and just unfortunate to what yeah, the pandemic has done to lots of these types of conferences. And we mm-hmm. always wanted it to be the replacement for Macworld. Uh, that was going to be a completely replacement, but at least it's come close. And uh, at least the, the, the coziness of it, everybody being able to network, you get to see everybody. And, uh, that's what made it a lot of fun. I never had the opportunity to go to Macworld, so I can't, I can't comment on how Macworld was, but <laughs> where you guys probably have been there many times. So, uh, yeah, I killed Macworld. To both. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I said, I killed Macworld. You so. killed it? Yeah, I went. Is. I went to the very last one, and after that, I didn't do it. So. Yeah, that that that's all on Patrice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. All <laughs> I hope you're happy now. Got you. Um, mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, ha- have having been to many MacWorld yep. uh, conferences and having been to uh, many Mac stock conferences, saying it's a replacement for MacWorld is not exactly. Fair because yeah, Mac different. World Expo was huge. Yeah, okay, hundreds of thousands. But it's a it's a great replacement for the part of Mac World that everyone really wanted. Right. Which mm-hmm. which is to have the community, to have uh, uh, some learning experiences, to be able to to really uh, spend quality time with your friends and the people in the Apple community that that you're seeing online or reading online all the time. And, uh, and just to have a, a really good uh, Apple community experience. And that, I mean, that, that's the part that we have all missed so much from Mac World so. Expo. And that's the part that Mac Stock keeps alive. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it going. So check it out, MacSock2021.com. And with that, the show has come to the close. We've had just so much fun. The hour just flew by here. So let's go ahead and wrap things up for this week. That's a wrap for this week. Please send your comments, questions, and suggestions to our email address, feedback at InTouchWithIOS.com. You can follow us on Twitter at InTouchWithIOS, or you can go to our YouTube page, uh, our YouTube channel. That's uh, YouTube.com slash DaveG65. You also can subscribe in your Facebook favorite podcatcher including apple podcasts and many others but better yet just go to our website in touch with ios.com where all the way links to all the ways to listen to us are there i am dave ginsburg you can find me on twitter at dave g65 patrice thanks so much for coming we always love having you we're gonna have you come more often and there's never enough time we could have you in the show and tell, <laughs> tell, tell everybody where they can find you Thanks for having me, and I'm, I'm very happy to join. Like, it's always yeah. always fun. Um, yeah, people can find me every week on the big show with Jeff and on the Mac show with, with you, Dave, and with Jeff, with some lovely other people at British Tech Network. Um, you can find everything I'm doing, all the projects and social media links and just everything at uh, thepatrice.com. Very easy to remember, the Patrice. There's only one. Mm-hmm. Um, and my podcast is uh, a lovely podcast called Foodie Flashback, where I talk to interesting people like David and like Jeff about food and just everything that goes with that. And I mean, if you're interested in the like, basically a small fraction of what's, like, what's awesome in Chicago, like food-wise, you have to listen to the episode with David because he, like, he took us on a, on a road trip <laughs> through Chicago area, basically. 
I'm still like I have to like that's why I have to I have to come to Max Dog and then like basically Absolutely. probably spend another four weeks in Chicago just trying to everything. Absolutely. That's that's Plans all. for next year. Next year, July. That's that's usually when it yeah. is. Well, thanks for being here, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff. To let everybody uh, let everybody know how to get a hold of you as well as you just uh, released a video. Uh, I did. So that that video is on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash jgamut. And uh, um, the the video is how to switch the voices for your Echo device because Amazon added uh, a male voice to their to their device. So uh, anyhow, I talk about a lot of stuff there. YouTube.com slash jgamut. Twitter and Instagram, jgamut on both of those places too. Um uh, uh, the Mac show on Fridays, the big show on Thursdays, and um, Mac Voices Live on Tuesdays, and then quite oftentimes here with you too. Yes. So I, I kind of get around. Well, thanks. <laughs> really appreciate you both being here, and uh, we appreciate everybody here who was listening. I hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>